Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We've got a full show coming up today, 1035. We're going to be joined by Congressman Glenn Grothman, who is... He, he is not boycotting the inauguration. The numbers are now are 68 Democrats have decided that they are going to take their ball, figuratively speaking, and go home. They're not going to show up uh, to watch the orderly transition of power in one of these. And again, I'm sure President-elect Donald Trump, and he will be President Trump in little over 24 hours, I'm, I'm sure he's not losing any sleep over the fact that you've got 68 of these folks who've decided that they're not going to show up, but it does, it is a harbinger of what we're going to be looking at over the course of the next uh, couple of years, unfortunately. And for everybody who says, well, can't we just get along? And it's those evil Republicans and Donald Trump has created this climate. All right, 68 elected officials deciding they are going to boycott the inauguration because they don't believe he is a legitimate president, whatever the, you know what that means. Uh, go figure. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. But 1035, Glenn Grothman, who is going to be at the inauguration and is, Washington, and is in Washington, all sorts of stuff going on. We're going to check in with him. We start off the program today, as we do every day, with a segment I call Three Big Things. Three different things that I think are incredibly talkable topics that you know you should know about as you start your day to discuss at the water cooler or at the lunch table or just you know with some of your coworkers or people you run into. Number one. As I was saying to Gene Miller, I've been trying to figure out how to lead into this topic, and I keep coming back to the same thing. Has Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark lost his mind? Now, I, I want to I back into this. I am a fan of the sheriff. I, I've known him for years. I have supported him. I think that, um, matter of fact, you know, Sheriff Clark has publicly said that, that I think he attributes some of his electoral success to conservative talk radio. He runs as a Democrat in Milwaukee County. The Democrats always try to knock him off in the Democratic primary. And I I think this has been true for a while. It was certainly true the last time he ran in 2014. He won by the Democratic primary by a little over 4,000 votes. And I, I think Sheriff Clark would acknowledge that part of the reason, I'm not saying the whole reason, but a part of the reason what, where those votes came from were Republican voters who, at the urging of various talk show hosts, or at least at the encouragement, or at least being made aware of the possibility by various talk show hosts, decided to cross over and vote in the Democratic primary because I – and look, that's what I did. I live in Milwaukee County because there was nothing – there weren't contested elections on the Republican ballot. So in Wisconsin, of course, in the primaries, you can choose whether you wanted to vote in the Democratic primary or the Republican primary, but you can't go back and forth in the primaries. So, I mean, I, there's no question – that I think a lot of Republicans decided they wanted to support David Clark, so they voted in the Democratic primary. And over the last year or so, there's been a lot of controversy within conservative circles in Wisconsin. Uh, Donald Trump, of course, very, very controversial. Sheriff Clark has been an outspoken proponent of him. I have not been critical of the sheriff for traveling around and you know campaigning for Donald Trump. I, I think, there, in my opinion, Tom Barrett would have done that if he had been requested or had the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, Scott Walker you know, ran for president. So, I, I mean, I, that's what, what political figures do. They, they support people, and then they go out and they campaign for him. I have not been critical of, of that. But there is one rule that I have had in all the years I have done a a radio show, and that is that regardless of whether I I like the person or I support the policies, when people do things that I do not understand or that I think are wrong, 
I'm going to call him out. And this particular story, I've been asking myself the question, if the previous sheriff of Milwaukee County, Lev Baldwin, had done something like this, would I have talked about it on the show? And the answer is yes. So if you haven't heard the story, here here's what it is. Um, sheriff Clark is coming back on a flight last Sunday from Dallas. And he's a big Dallas Cowboys fan. His uncle, I think, played for the Cowboys. That's cool. So he's sitting on the airplane. It's flying from Dallas to Milwaukee. He's sitting on the airplane in, in Dallas Cowboy regalia. That's that's the thing. The story is there's this guy who is not a fan of of David Clark, who walks by. And, you know, he, Clark's in first class, so he's on the plane before other people. Walks by. And the guy's story is that as I passed him, I asked he, if he was Sheriff Clark, and he responded in the affirmative. Now, the guy's story is, I shook my head as I was moving to my seat near the back of the plane. From behind, he asked if I had a problem. I shook my head no again and continued to the seat. So that's kind of what the altercation is. Now, I was not there. My, my sense is there's probably more to it than that. My guess is the guy walking by probably, probably said something beyond just, I, I, I shook my head. I, and I can, I can imagine this happening. This happens to public figures. I'm sure it happens to politicians all the time. Are you David Clark? Yes, I am. Oh, you know, I, I'm sure he did something like that. That would be my guess, not just, well, I benignly just shook my head. But so, all right. So Clark says, you got a problem with me? I said, no. Apparently there's nothing else that happens on, on the airplane. So the man's story is that when the flight then lands in Milwaukee a couple hours later, um, he says he's met, as he gets off the plane, he's met by a group of six uniformed deputies and two dogs, all of whom were accompanied by the sheriff. The guy says he was escorted to a waiting area and questioned by two of the deputies who said that Clark had told them that the guy had made some remarks to the sheriff on the plane. Guy says he was asked who he was, why he was traveling to Dallas, what he thought of Clark, etc., etc. Um, ultimately, you know, he is he's released and, you know, he's he said I, I he's kind of escorted um, out of the, the airport. Um, as uh, we drove away, my friend picked me up. As we drove away, Sheriff Clark and a bunch of other cops were on the opposite side of this little like tunnel. We looked at each other and continued driving. So the guy, the guy says, okay, this is, you know, they, they essentially they jacked me up at the airport for pretty much nothing. And now he's thinking about, you know, hiring a lawyer or, you know, calling people um, and filing a complaint. All right. So uh, yesterday, the sheriff's office issues a, a statement on on this since it's become public. And the statement attributed to the sheriff is next time he that would be the guy or anyone else pulls this stunt on a plane, they may get knocked out. The sheriff says he does not have to wait for some goof to assault him. He reserves the reasonable right to preempt a possible assault. 414-799-1620, That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. All right, what do you think about this incident? What do you think about the guy's claim? What do you think about the sheriff's response to this, that, you know, next time somebody pulls a stunt like this on a plane, they may get knocked out. The sheriff doesn't have to wait for some goof to assault him. He reserves the reasonable right to preempt a possible assault. What do you think about all this? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. 843 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 
846, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. By the way, I mean, I think that the Milwaukee County Sheriff or any elected official has every right if somebody is threatening them. They don't have to wait till there's an assault. So I, I don't disagree with that. But if just because somebody walks by you on a plane and worst case scenario says something disparaging about you or rolls their eyes or whatever, um, doesn't that happen all the time in politics? 414-799-1620 is the number. Carol in Glendale. Carol, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Carol. Hi there. Hi, Carol. Uh, just a quick comment, and that is I've always been um, kind of a David Clark fan. As I'm I. And I have supported a lot of his hardline um, kind of positions on things. As do I. Yep. Really good as a sheriff. And, um, but I think that all this power has gone to his head and I think that he's out of line and this kind of stuff happens all the time. And if he was really the kind of person that he would like people to think he is, he would have acted in a more respectful way. He would have ignored it and he wouldn't have been the bigger guy instead of making this, you know, big issue out of something. It's like a, sounds like a sandbox well, with uh, two two-year-olds. Well, and, and potentially. Now, I say potentially. Potentially exposing the county to a claim or, I mean, the guy's talking about getting a lawyer. And, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not passing a judgment on it, but I'm trying to think, okay, d- did did the sheriff's department really detain him? I mean, I don't know, you know, all the facts about it and the legal interpretations, but, you know, was he really stopped? Was he really questioned? Was he free to go? All these different issues. It's kind of like, why, why bother? If somebody walks by, then they roll their eyes, or even if they say something under the breath, you know, let their breath, what a jerk, or whatever. That's just, you got to let it go. <laughs> you you got to let it oh, go. Right. And right. you think this guy really needs, like, problems with the sheriff's department? Yeah. Right. Th- thanks. I mean, for, yeah. No, I got it. No, and again, I, I mean, I think there's two sides to the story. I'm having trouble. And I've heard the man who says this all happened. I, I'm listening to these interviews and I, I'm having trouble believing that it was as completely as benign as he's saying. But I'm not hearing any allegations that he threatened the sheriff's life or something like, like that. And if you're a political figure, I mean, if you're a public figure, there, there's people who are going to like you and there's people who are not going to like you. Let's talk to Bob in Franklin. Bob, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning to you, Jeff. What do you think? Uh, well, I think Sheriff Clark, uh, and, and let me preface what I'm about to say, uh, I, I am not a fan of okay. Sheriff Clark. I think every time Sheriff Clark opens his mouth, not unlike his counterpart in Maricopa County, Arizona, he sets law enforcement back decades. Uh, it, it sounds to me like he has overstepped his boundaries. Uh, this, this aircraft apparently was in Dallas, Texas. I'm, yep. I'm make, making that assumption. Right. He, he's, he's not the sheriff in Dallas County. Uh, I, I question whether he's the sheriff in Milwaukee County. Uh, he sounds like a bully, and he needs to be put in his place. Well, I just, I mean, again, I mean, he, he's he's a public figure, and I, I, I don't, my understanding is, they're, they're, this happened, again, like you say, they're, they're getting ready to take off in Dallas. My understanding that there wasn't, this wasn't a situation where, like, somebody confronts him while the plane is in the air or there's a disruption. It's just you're, you're kind of walking by and this all happens. And, again, I'm, from a jurisdictional issue, I mean, I, I do think, I mean, if the sheriff, of course, has legitimate fear that somebody is going to assault him if they get off the plane and anything, I, mean, I think you have the certainly the ability. You don't have to wait until that actually happens. But, 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 if if it really is just walking by and somebody go, oh, you're David Clark, and rolling their eyes, 
you're met by a group of sheriff's deputies and dogs, and you're questioned? Huh? Let's talk to Eric and Racine. Eric, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning, Jeff. Um, I, I, I've always liked David Clark. Uh, he actually helped my wife and I in downtown Milwaukee mm-hmm. once when my wife got hit and run downtown mm-hmm. Milwaukee. He's done a lot good of good guy. things, and I know some people yeah. hate hearing that, but I, I mean, I think, he, I think he's done a lot of good things. I agree with him on a lot of his policies, which is why I take no pleasure in doing this topic, but... <laughs> Um, the, the thing that I brought up to the screener is w- none of us were obviously there to see the context in which the guy shook his head and what type of body language was sure. used. Um, with the shooting that happened in Orlando last week, the guy checked the gun in. It was on the on the plane, but it wasn't with the guy. The guy went into the bathroom, grabbed the gun. You know, I mean, who's to say that wasn't running through Clark's mind with all the assaults that have been happening on cops lately? that this guy was going to get his luggage, follow Clark, and potentially do something. However, on the flip side of things... Hello? Oh, Eric's cell phone cut out. On the flip side of things... Well, I'm, I mean, I think there has to be some sort of, you know, reasonable type of, of reaction. I mean, I don't think you can go to the extreme situation all, all the time. And I understand that, obviously, if you're a public figure and you're a controversial public figure, you have to be on alert. And I, I don't disagree with the sheriff's statement saying, hey, I, I can be preemptive. I don't have to wait for somebody to assault me before I, I get involved. But at Again, at the same time, just because somebody walks by and rolls their eyes or says something under their breath or maybe, I mean, again, I, I, I don't know, worst case scenario, a guy walks by, are you Sheriff Clark? Yes, I am. What a jerk. And he, you know, I, I, maybe he said that. That's still, all right, that, that's still, it is a free country and, and people get the right to be rude, unfortunately. John in Gurney. John, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, good morning. You know, this guy is... Uh in my opinion, paranoid. He's abuser. He's an abusing abusing his authority. And you know what? Someone's probably going to pop this guy in the nose. Well, you that know, would be. I mean, I'm going to tell you that would be a mistake. Trust me on this one. You don't want to mess around with David Clark. I, that that you anybody that tries to do anybody that tries to get physical with David Clark is going to lose that battle. I pretty much guarantee you on that one. Well, that might be true. Yeah. But I'm just saying his actions. You know kind of say, look, really, really, it seems pretty frivolous, and it seems like six deputies and dogs? I mean, come on. And if it warranted that, then he should say so in his statement, not threaten that he's going to hit somebody before it even occurs next time. I mean, that's not cool. Yeah, right. Thanks. I mean, that's why, I mean, I I was actually, I I was waiting to see what the sheriff's department said, because I I was honestly anticipating that we would get a, a detailed explanation of the other side of the story, that it, it was, no, this guy, it, it's not, he's not telling you the whole circumstance. Here's what actually what happened. Here's what the guy said to me. This is why I was concerned that there might be some incidents. And, and, and at least so far from the sheriff's department, there hasn't been anything other than, well, you know, the sheriff doesn't have to wait for somebody to, you know, um, end up assaulting him before he does stuff preemptive, which is, which is true. But just every time somebody says something, I, I, I will tell you, doing what I do for a living, if every time somebody said something rude to you, you know, when you were in a public place, if that was the basis for having them, like, stopped and questioned, well, yeah, I think there'd be a lot of people that were being stopped and questioned. Big thing number two coming up next, 854, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 
President Obama refuses to go quietly into the good night. At the end of last year, I thought I thought he had his final news conference. That's the way it was being billed in the press. This is the final news conference. Well, okay, I guess that wasn't the final news conference because yesterday he had yet another news conference, and who knows, he might do it again today. And he was, in my opinion, coming out and defending the indefensible, talking about his pardon of Chelsea Manning. Um, We talked about that yesterday. Here you have somebody who is a traitor who arguably caused... Um, the deaths of a number of people who were cooperating with the government did countless, a lot of damage to our, our ability to gather intelligence. And so obviously Obama feels feels that you know he needs to justify that publicly, and so he does that. But here's the other interesting thing he said. Typically, when presidents leave office, they shut up. They, they recognize that they have had their days in the sun, and they— sort of like children that should be seen and not heard, they kind of like step away from day-to-day politics to give their successor the ability to develop their policies. Well, Barack Obama is making it very, very clear that that's not necessarily how he's going to handle it. Yesterday at this press conference, he said that while he doesn't expect to weigh in on day-to-day policy debates after leaving the White House 24 hours from now, he will inject himself into the national debate if he senses an erosion of the nation's core values, and he gave examples like efforts to suppress the right to vote. So presumably, if you want to argue for voter ID, Obama will be there arguing against it. Stifle free speech or round up young undocumented immigrants. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Do you want to see Barack Obama continue to be a political player weighing in and leading the opposition to Donald Trump, or is it time for him to just fade away, go off the stage, and do whatever he's going to do in the next phase of his life? Do you think it's good, do you think it's healthy for the country that he apparently intends to be involved as much as he apparently intends to do? We discuss. 414-799-1620 is the number right after the news. 859, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All right, we are right now in the middle of my three big things segment that we start every program off with. Uh, Barack Obama leaves office uh, about 25 or 26 hours from now. Historically, the way presidents have behaved, ex-presidents, is that they are supposed to be perhaps seen, but definitely not heard. Ronald Reagan, when he left office, you know, Ronald Reagan, you know, was not out and about, you know, talking about policy. You didn't hear Ronald Reagan criticizing the policies of of George Bush. When George Bush, the second, left office, Barack Obama took over. You have not heard former President Bush on the campaign trail railing against Obamacare or railing against this policy or that policy. I mean, the idea was. He's had his time, and he is going to allow the new president to come in without having to be criticized. The only the only real exception to that has been Jimmy Carter, who had a failed presidency from sixty from seventy six to eighty. And Jimmy Carter has of of course not gone quietly into the good night, and he's been very vocal for various administrations. But that's that is pretty much the exception. Barack Obama has a press conference yesterday where he announces that he doesn't intend to 
go quietly into the good night either. And while he doesn't expect to weigh in on day-to-day policy debates, he still vows to inject himself into the national debate if he senses an erosion of the nation's core values, meaning efforts to suppress the right to vote, read voter ID laws, stifle free speech, or round up young undocumented immigrants. For example, what Donald Trump is talking about doing. 414-799-1620 is the number. Let's talk to Dave on the south side. Dave, you're first. Good morning. Yeah, uh, Jeff, I think he he's going to be the, since the Clintons aren't no longer the leader of the Democratic Party, I think he's going to make himself the leader of the Democratic Party, even though he's the ex-president. So was Bill Clinton, and uh, he's, Bill Clinton speaks out. Well, what, so. but what, it, well, but... But you don't have Clinton. You know, I'm going to give Clinton his due. You have not had Clinton, for example, during the George Bush years, during the Bush presidency. You didn't have Clinton going around and criticizing or commenting on every Bush policy. Matter of fact, he was he was relatively quiet in that regard with regard to policy. On most issues, yes. yeah. On most issues, yeah. I mean, I mean, thanks for call, Dave. I mean, look, I, I if Barack Obama is going to be the leader, continue to be the leader of the Democratic Party, then the Democrats are in a heck of a lot of trouble. I mean, one of the legacies of the Obama administration and the Obama years is the Barack Obama, who is incredibly popular personally. But what's happened to the Democratic Party during these last eight years is it's been decimated. You know, you've lost, uh, you know, how many congressional seats, how many Senate seats, how many local offices, how many governorships. I mean, Whatever personal popularity Barack Obama had and his ability to mobilize people to come out and vote for him, it is not translated into, you know, into any sort of electoral mandate. And, you know, in many respects, Barack Obama has been the best thing for the Republican Party over the course of the last eight years. So if he's going to be the the titular leader and he's going to be the guy that's out there, you know, throwing, you know, verbal bombs at Donald Trump. Uh, the, the Democrats are in a lot of trouble moving forward. But the bottom line is, I just think it's unseemly. I mean, I just I understand that presidents are about protecting their legacies and things like that. But at the same time, you know, if you have an ex-president who decides, gee, I don't like the fact that they're rolling back my immigration policy, or I don't like the fact that they're rolling back this executive order, that's that's just it is, in my opinion, it is unseemly and you just want to say, hey, you know, shut up. Sue from Lodi says, this uh, writes on email, this is my most fervent hope that Barack Obama would have the common sense and dignity to just require, retire quietly into post-presidential life following the example of George W. Bush. Sadly, I guess I always knew his ego and need for the limelight wouldn't allow it. The Obamas and the Clintons need to step away from political and public life. Lord knows there's going to be enough people that are going to be out there, you know, with the long knives out for Donald Trump. Robbie in Appleton. Robbie, good morning. You're in 620 WTMJ. Good morning, Jeff. You know, I think that Barack Obama will definitely be out there over the next four years, but I also believe that they're going to start putting Michelle Obama out there a lot more, especially on bigger issues. But I think she's going to weigh in a lot more because I believe that the Democratic Party is going to start grooming her for a run in four years. Uh, you know, I th- you know, thanks. I, I, I guess I'm going to say this. I disagree with you. I, I think... Um, I don't think Michelle Obama, she is not Hillary Clinton. Um, I don't think she has political aspirations. Now, maybe four years from now, I'm going to have to eat those words because they're out there. I, I don't. I don't think. 
I don't think she has political aspirations. I mean, there was no question, you know, when when Hillary Clinton was first lady, you know, you, you could tell. I mean, she was she was dripping with that ambition. And so it was no surprise. See, I, I think I, I'm not sure what the, the next public act is going to be for Michelle Obama, but I, I don't think it's going to be in politics. I, I think I think she is going to perhaps transcend politics. You know, will she do fundraisers or things like that? Yeah, I will be shocked, though, shocked if she actually decides to ever run for an office. I I don't see her going to Illinois, for example, and and running for the U.S. Senate. Could be wrong, but I don't think so. Coming up, we're going to talk about the third big thing that you need to know about this morning. It's a local story. Stick around. 917. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 919 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Why listen to Buck and Aikman during the weekend's NFC title game when you can listen to Larravee and McCarran? Watch the game at Turner Hall this Sunday while Wayne and Larry call every play. Don't miss the hometown call at Turner Hall. Yes, we have people that come up with that alliteration. This Sunday, beginning at 1 o'clock, sponsored by Master Z's and your neighborhood Ace Hardware Store. Should be a lot of fun. Coming up in about 15 minutes. If you need another reason to hate Walmart... I might have it for you, so stick around for that. Right now, we're in the middle of our three big things. Story number three. There is a lot of talk right now about trying to expand the, the downtown Wisconsin Center, the num- which is the, what we would call the convention center. There's a huge expansion of the number of hotel rooms that have been going on. Lots of building in downtown Milwaukee involving hotels. Um, the Wisconsin Center in downtown Milwaukee has not kept up with conventions. The number of events held at the Wisconsin Center dropped by more than 100 in less than a decade. Big story in the Business Journal, going from 296 in 2004 to 194 in 2011. The study shows attendance peaking at more than 1 million in 2002, declined to 611,000 in 2012. So the number of conventions that Milwaukee is attracting has been decreasing. The number of people coming to Milwaukee to attend conventions has been decreasing as well. And one of the arguments that's being made is we need more facilities. We were small when we originally built this. And now what we need to do, we've grown even smaller. We are not competitive. So we need to, the argument is, expand the convention center in order to compete with other cities that are drawing the conventions. And the argument is, hey, if we had a bigger convention center, what we would do is then suddenly we would be more in play for other larger conventions Right now, it's just too flat small, so what we need to do is figure out a way to generate money, spend the money, and then build and expand. 414-799-1620, That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. Right, here is my question that I'd like to discuss with you on our third big story of the morning. If they build it, will people really come? Now, there's no question that... Competitively, it is smaller, the convention center now, than perhaps in some comparable cities. At the same time, we're never going to be Orlando. We're never going to be Las Vegas. We're never going to be able to compete for a lot of that business. But if we were to spend tens of millions of dollars to expand the size of the convention center, would all of a sudden 
would that put us more in play for some of the conventions that right now we perhaps are losing to, I don't know, places like Indianapolis? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. Is the problem here really size? That Does size matter or are there bigger issues as well? One of the claims all along has been, hey, there's not enough hotel space in downtown Milwaukee to attract these huge conventions. You know, that that's starting to change because we do have new hotels that are being developed. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. If we build a bigger one, will people really come? Mark in Bayview. Mark, you're first. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Really good topic. And I've been banging my head um, around your question for a long time. I'm in the convention and um, uh, the convention industry. And um, if you don't have the proper infrastructure around a bigger convention facility, it's not going to work. When you say infrastructure, what do you mean? Hotels. You have to have hotels connected or directly next to the convention facility. A lot of, a a lot of rooms. I mean, a lot. Um, A good case in point is, Gen Con, right. um, the gaming convention that left in 2002. Um, I go to Gen Con every year. They're, that's in they, Indianapolis right now, right? Cor- correct. Okay. They they generate uh, roughly, uh, I think it's 64 million in a four day period for that local economy. Now the reason why they do so well is because of all of the they have you know they have the the skyways connected mm-hmm. directly to the convention facility. There's about six hotels surrounding that, and then there's Lucas Oil Field right next door. Right. It's you. You have to have the infrastructure around the convention center, or it's not going to work. Period. So, so, simply expanding the convention center without having it part of an overall, you know, plan to connect things. It, it's, Correct. It, it, the size alone, what you're saying, doesn't really matter. It, obviously, you know, you have to have a certain size to be able to handle a certain type of convention. But it's right. more than just the size of the convention center. So, what do you Correct, think about? Sir. I mean, what do you think about downtown Milwaukee? Could this work? It could work with the new. Um, with the new arena coming in, they, they, they need to, what's weird, Jeff, is you have the, the U.S. Cellular Arena. Now you're going to have the Bradley Center. You're going to have all these arenas. And somehow they gotta, they got to incorporate everything together. The, the, the pieces are there, but for whatever reason, they just they haven't put everything together. It's weird. Um, you know, when they tore down the Mecca and they, they built what we have now, the Wisconsin Center District, the Mecca was, it was actually all cohesive. Do you remember that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, when you say tore down the Mecca, I mean, I, I, I mean, of course, obviously, the old, uh, the old arena is there. The, the auditorium yeah. is now the Milwaukee Theater. And that you're talking about the space to the to the south of that, the, the convention center. Got it. Okay. Correct. Correct. It was, it was more cohesive. And then when they put the Wisconsin Center District in, it was grossly mm-hmm. small. Um, now, you know, who should be answering these questions is, I believe, Frank Gimbel is still. Yeah, although I don't think he's the chairman of the district anymore. But yeah, I mean, these are, I mean, see, these are the issues. I mean, thanks. See, I guess here's, here, here's where I bring this up because I, I understand, I understand that there's this this push to spend money in the downtown Milwaukee area, um, and, and that's that's fine. I have to tell you though, I continue to be skeptical. Be, you know, skeptical of. Whether or not putting a huge amount of money into, say, expanding, renovating the convention center, you know, the Milwaukee Center, whether or not that's really going to attract these different conventions that are out there. Um, You know, I mean, I remember hearing when we took 
what, 40-some million dollars or whatever it was to renovate the old Milwaukee Auditorium and turn it into the Milwaukee Theater, which, by the way, is a wonderful facility. It's a wonderful facility to go see shows, but they don't have any shows there. I mean, it's one of these things where it is a ghost town a lot of the time, in part because there's all these other competing venues that are you know, going after a lot of the same sort of business. I don't know. Before, I understand this argument that you need to expand the convention center in order to attract or be able to be even in the bidding for some of these big-time conventions. But, 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 I, I don't think that in and of itself gets the conventions there. It, it just, I don't think it just, it's not just the venue. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Want an excuse to run to the post office? I've got it. You know those forever stamps that they sell now, the ones that are good for forever? Well, the price doesn't stay the same forever. So um, those forever stamps, the cost, Sunday, it, it goes up. Um, now they're 40. Jane, Matt, you're looking, you didn't know that? I didn't know the price was going no, up. No, the, the cost of making that's going to uh, go to 49 cents up from 47 cents, where it had been since April. Um, so this that goes into effect, um, I believe, Sunday. So yeah, Sunday. So if if you want to stock up on the forever stamps, save that two cents a stamp. Get yourself to the post office and buy a whole bunch of them. Just just saying. See, news that you can use. Nine thirty four. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. The Packers are one step closer to the Super Bowl. They head to Atlanta to take on Matt Ryan and the Falcons this weekend in the NFC title game. Our Packers game day coverage starts with Packers preview at noon on Sunday. All right, so if you are a regular listener of this program, you know one of my goals in life is to avoid getting called into meetings. It's just that's that I, I spent in a different life, different career. I was in meetings all the time. So I, I'm just I, I try to I want to avoid getting called into meetings. So generally I, I try to do what I'm supposed to do and I you know, I'm I might kind of mock it sometimes. But all right, so we get this 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 email that comes out now. Now at the same time, I gotta acknowledge I am I am just counting down the minutes till Sunday afternoon to, to, to kick off at 2 o'clock, 2.05, for the possibility that the Packers are going to go to the Super Bowl. I am a fan of other sports. I am, I am. I love baseball, but I am exclusively right now, and I think most of Wisconsin, I am focused in on the Green Bay Packers playing the Atlanta Falcons at 2.05 this afternoon. Our broadcast starts much earlier here on News Radio 620 WTMJ. So I get this email from the powers that be. Think warm thoughts. We've released our Brewers spring training broadcast schedule. Please push on your shows. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I, bottom line. I mean, I, look, I'm, I'm a huge Brewers fan. Don't, don't get me wrong. I, I love the Brewers. Uh, but people are not thinking spring training baseball right now. They're, they're just not. By the way, our first spring training baseball game is March 1st, uh, which is a Wednesday. And, you know, we've got a, you know, we'll be covering a lot of the games. And I'm, I'm very excited about the possibility of spring training baseball. But you know what? Nobody cares about spring training baseball right this minute. After the Super Bowl, assuming the Packers win on Sunday, people will, in fact, care. But um, in any event, if you want to see our spring training baseball schedule, WTMJ.com, we've got it up there. All right. I know that there are people out there that absolutely, totally, 100% hate Walmart for a variety of reasons, some real, some imagined. At the same time, Walmart is incredibly successful because even though the people that say they hate Walmart, they like being able to buy Blu-ray disc players for $39 or whatever, so they, they go there because they get what they perceive to be big deals, even though they grumble about all sorts of Walmart practices and all. All right. 
So here is the story. I have in my hands a press release that the EEOC, and I, I will tell you, I, that's the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. I run hot and cold on them. Um, sometimes, sometimes they strike me in some of the things they do as just sort of an out-of-control rogue agency. Other times... Other times, I, I think they have legitimate points. In any event, um, here is the story, and I have a press release. These are just allegations, but I want to discuss this with you. Um, the EEOC is apparently they have brought a lawsuit against Walmart, um, accusing them of discriminating against a long-term employee who has Down syndrome. All right, this involves a store up in Manitowoc, a Walmart up in Manitowoc. Here's what the EEOC alleges, um, that there's an employee who has Down service, Down syndrome, who was disciplined for absenteeism after her schedule of 15 years was changed by management. So presumably, this is this woman with this disability. She's worked at this Walmart store for 15 years. Um, her schedule after 15 years was changed. Managers at the Walmart, according to the lawsuit, ignored her repeated requests to work her usual shift of noon until 4. So she'd been working noon to 4 for 15 years. The schedule started changing, instead insisting that she work longer and later shifts that were assigned to her by a new computerized scheduling system. Because of her disability, she was unable, allegedly, to adapt to the change in routine. Her sister, who acts as her legal guardian, became involved after disciplinary actions resulted in her being fired. So I think the, I mean, what they say is that the she had a, a long record of successful employment with Walmart, received multiple pay raises, and successful satisfactory performance reviews over the years. But what happened was they went to this new computerized scheduling system. They started changing her schedule around longer, different sort of hours. And at least the EEOC says because of the woman's disability, because of, of Down syndrome, she could not adapt to this. So, you know, she started coming in late or missing shifts or whatever, and Walmart ended up firing her. EEOC says this is wrong. This violates the Americans with Disability Action Act and that Walmart, you know, shouldn't just – be allowed to change this woman's schedule after 15 years. They have a duty to try to accommodate her disability, which in this particular case would mean not changing her schedule. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. Now, again, this, these are allegations that you know the EEOC is bringing in a lawsuit Ultimately, the facts you know, have to be sorted out. But let's assume for the sake of argument that this is, in fact, true. You have a long-term employee who has Down syndrome who, you know, because of that disability, very, very regimented, things like that, has been working for 15 years in this noon-to-four shift. All of a sudden, because Walmart has gone with this new computerized scheduling system, they start monkeying around and messing around with her hours, and she just can't deal with those changes. Right. Is this something that Walmart should have? A, should Walmart have disciplined her? Should Walmart have had to accommodate her? What do you think? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Or is this a situation where, hey, you know, the business, they've got these computerized scheduling systems. They change the hours. Well, okay, if you change the hours, you just have to deal with it. 
What do you think? Who's right? Who's wrong? Assuming the facts to be as the EEOC alleges. We discuss next. 941 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 944, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Obviously, employers have the right to change schedules. I did a radio show on the station for going on 19 years, noon to 3. Well, circumstances change. They say, Jeff, we want you to do the show from 830 to 12. I said, great. If it involves a change in the routine, if I started coming in late or, you know, walking off the shift early, chances are I I would be in violation of my contract and be terminated. But, But that's... That's a different situation. If you're just tuning in, here's the deal. Long-term employee at the Walmart up in Manitowoc who has Down syndrome. For 15 years, this woman has worked from noon until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. That that has been her schedule. Walmart apparently goes to this new computerized scheduling system, and it just starts changing her schedule, lengthening her hours, changing the hours. She has not been able to adapt to this. You know, her sister says, hey, the woman's condition makes it extremely difficult to make any changes to her routine. She says, we're just talk- we're talking about a person who can't be easily taken out of their habits and rituals. It's something that needs to be respected. Well, so Walmart... This computerized thing, it changes her schedule. The woman the, the, with the Down syndrome now starts having issues with, you know, she, she has to leave the job after four hours. She has trouble showing up. She just has trouble dealing with the change. Um, Walmart ends up firing her for tardiness or absenteeism or whatever. The EEOC is now bringing a lawsuit saying, hey, you have a duty to accommodate. You just can't change this woman's schedule like that. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Eric and Racine. Eric, good morning. You're first. Hey Jeff. Hey Eric. Eric. Um, what do you think? Uh, boy, man, that's uh, that really got me because uh, Walmart should accommodate her because there is that that clause that says reasonable mm-hmm. accommodations for the disabled. Right. And while you still do your job, no, they should not have fired her. They should uh, have common sense. And God gave a goose. <laughs> and um, exclude her from that computerized uh, scheduling system. Well, I guess I, I'm looking at this thinking, okay, if you have somebody with a disability that's been a productive worker for 15 years, you know, you, you would right. think that you'd want to continue doing that and at least appreciate that if we start schedu- changing this woman's schedule willy-nilly, it is going to cause huge issues. This this does not sound like somebody that's making a bogus claim. I mean, I, I think it's incredible that, down, that somebody with Down syndrome has been able to work like this for 15 years successfully. You wonder what Walmart's thinking in a case like this. Yeah. Hey, not thinking much. Well, th- th- well, I mean, th- you know, their argument is, well, you know, we, we, we want her to work longer hours and, you know, we, we want to try to work with her. But, okay, you know, somebody that's dealing with a disability like this, who's been able to be a productive employee, I mean, really? Just because you've gone to a computerized system, really, that means that now you're going to start jerking her around on her hours? I, and look, and I, I get that employers have every right to change people's hours and to say, okay, now you used to work in mornings, now you're working evenings. I mean, I understand that they have the right to do it, and I understand that there's legitimate business needs as to why you're going to do that for most employees. So if you do that to me, you do that to Hondo, I get it. But, you know, somebody who's dealing with this disability, really? Let's talk to Brian in Milwaukee. Brian, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. sir. last caller took some of the words out of my mouth. Walmart should be commended for hiring handicapped people, but at the same time, they got to take the responsibility, like he said, the common sense. Uh, <laughs> God gave work, a goose. Yep. To work with her. <laughs> yeah. To work with her. Because um, that's not right. Because I'm, I'm, I work in a building manager, and we have to have ramps for handicap. You have to have handicap stalled, the right toilets. And, you know, mm-hmm. this, it's the same situation. A, 
This should have been on a case-to-case basis. She was a good employee, and they should have kept her. Well, right. I guess, see, that's the... I mean, look, I, I understand, like I was saying earlier, you're going to change schedules in certain sort of situations, but if you're dealing with somebody that's got this type of disability, I mean, I would be curious as to, you know, why, given all the people they employ in Walmart and given all the people that probably work at the Walmart in Manitowoc, you know, th- does it really pose a significant business problem to them if they have this one employee with a disability who isn't, you know, who isn't treated like the other employees with regard to scheduling? You just say, okay, we're just going to allow you to continue doing what you've done for the last 15 years. I, I can't see how this is going to, you know, screw up, you know, the, the wall, I can't see how Walmart's business in Manitowoc is going to come to a crashing halt because they let this lady work from noon until four instead of making her work from two until eight or whatever. I just, this, this ain't going to hurt Walmart at all. Exactly. Right. Now, thank, thanks for, I mean, it's just, and again, sometimes, as I said, start going into this, sometimes I, I look at some of the things the EEOC does and some of the lawsuits they're bringing. And again, we're, we're assuming that the facts are as they have alleged, but I, I think that's probably pretty true here. And I kind of roll my eyes. But in this particular one, I, I really think, you know, what 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 is Walmart thinking in this case? Glenn in Lebanon. Glenn, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think? I think that um, Walmart is completely in the wrong. I worked in the manufacturing um, business for 35 years. I was a shop floor supervisor. I have dealt with three different electronic or computerized time and attendance systems. There are manual overrides that each supervisor is allowed to do on these systems. Right. And they, they should have fully accommodated this person with, with Downs. I happen to have a grandson that has Downs. And if they ever pulled something like this on him, I would be screaming bloody murder. Yeah, I mean, now, right. And, and look, and I think one of the reasons that the woman has had problems is because, you know, she's, she's very much into this, this routine. She's used to working four hours a day. She's used to working this noon to four shift. I mean, I understand that Walmart might be saying, okay, bigger picture, we're trying to get some employees to work more hours or whatever. But you're talking about one employee here. You know, tell me why this particular employee has to work, you know, six hours a day as opposed to four hours. I mean, it, it's not it's not going to bring Walmart down. It's not. Absolutely not. They established that they established the um, parameters when they hired her for four hours a day. Right. And to turn around and tell her she has to work more than that now and change her schedule is completely wrong. They're completely in the wrong. They have ways of dealing with right. special situations like this. And they absolutely should not have done what they did. Yeah, and, and let, I mean, again, and, I mean, look, I appreciate sometimes that there there is a business necessity which makes it impossible to accommodate, you know, a, a particular person with a disability. You know, and, and I mean, the law says you've got to make reasonable efforts to accommodate, and but but it doesn't say you have to always find an accommodation. Sometimes, because of the nature of the business. It's just impossible to accommodate the person with the, a, a particular disability. But that sure, sure doesn't sound like that's what's going on in this particular case. You have somebody who's a productive employee, but but at the same time, 
really into that routine. That's been the routine for 15 years. And because of the nature of her illness, her disability, you, you disrupt it, and then it creates all these issues. Walmart doesn't need to do this. And look, I, I'm, I'm kind of neutral on Walmart. I, I don't get some of the hatred that's directed at them. But this is one where I just think if they really did this, what could they have been thinking? Bonnie in Port Washington. Bonnie, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hi. Hi. Hi um, I listen to you every morning. Thank you. But this really hit me hard. I am a sponsor to a lady that has Down syndrome. She's a wonderful worker. She, uh, but she does have her routine. She yeah. has a routine in the morning when she gets stressed, whatever. She goes to work. She has her routine. And Walmart knew when they hired her that she did have Down syndrome. They're wonderful workers. I don't think people understand how smart these individuals are in their own way, and they're very loyal to their job, to their routine. And I think Walmart was very, very wrong for what they did. She's going to get confused. Uh, she's in 15 years she's been doing this. This is so wrong. Right, and, and, that, and, see, and, that, and that's exactly what you're describing is apparently exactly what happened. They changed her schedule, and, you know, she was used to working four hours, so, you know, she'd apparently leave, and they, they, they give her like a six- or seven-hour shift, and she apparently gets confused, and she leaves, or she has trouble. She shows up at noon instead of 2 o'clock, and, and right. she just couldn't get used to, used to that new schedule. So they, they fire her. working. From 12 to 4, her routine is probably to go home and set the table and uh, have dinner. They get set in a routine, and it's a good routine, and they do a good job at the routine. Right. No, thanks for – and again, I mean, I'm sympathetic to businesses if you've got these – you know, if there's some massive reason that you have to, again, sometimes you know somebody's disability is stuff certain that some is such that somebody just cannot be accommodated. This doesn't seem to be that case. So um, Walmart has now been sued because apparently the EEOC, when they get involved, they, they try to work these things out. And Walmart is apparently sticking to its gun, saying, "No, we're not going to take this woman back right now." And so now they are in federal court. And you know what? In this case, based on what I understand about it, I think they deserve to be sued. So if you're looking for a reason. Again, to not like Walmart, this might be it. 954, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. In less than 10 minutes, I call it dealer's choice, and uh, this is one where I, I am prepared. I will be getting hate emails from all over the world when we launch into this next topic, so stick around. 954, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Donald Trump will become the 45th president of the United States on Friday. How difficult of a transition will this leadership change be for the American people? Hmm. Hear from an expert on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Be sure to tune in at 521 today. All right. On the south side yesterday morning, at least 15 people wake up. They go out to their cars. They find their vehicles ransacked and damaged. Um, Some of the vehicles apparently were sifted through. Others suffered significant loss. Uh, Let's see. um, A battery was stolen from one of the cars. Another another car, tools were taken. But it's this this random kind of violence and destruction. Um, Car owners say the crooks stole money, tools, car batteries, a radio. They even siphoned gas. The worst part, of course, is the damage. So this is a south side neighborhood. You have a lot of people who need their cars to get to work. They depend on it. And they come out and, and, again, they've all been vandalized. This continues to be one of the really frustrating things for me. It's this kind of senseless sort of vandalism. I mean, really, you're going you're gonna to break into a car to steal a radio out of it or something like that. 
I mean, really, people need these things. And unfortunately, you have these rolling crime waves that are going on to the point that, you know, people just do not feel safe in certain aspects of the community. This is not the first time you've had these sort of widespread type of break-ins in particular areas. And now it's hit the the south side. So I I don't know what the answer is other than to tell you you got to be vigilant because crime continues to be out of control in this community. Coming up in less than 10 minutes, I call it dealer's choice. And I know I'm going to get hostile emails from all over the world, but I'm up to it. Stick around. 959 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ.